So the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, it's an interesting thing when you look. We have, you know, we don't see that term Trinity in the New Testament. You know, I don't, I'm probably most people know that, that it's not a term that's used in the New Testament. What we build the case for a triune God, and I think this is a great passage that helps to build that, because that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit. We got all three persons right there. All three persons in that one passage. Um, so we have the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is wisdom. The Holy Spirit brings revelation. When we were going through Proverbs, you know, we saw what is wisdom, you know? And we went through all of that. And so that they may have the knowledge of him. I think the, the end of all of that, of all that Paul is praying, is that they may have the knowledge of him that they would know him. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But the crux of what all the rest of the prayers, uh, prayer is, is summed up into that. I think it's the knowing. It's the knowing. Um, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may have clarity, right? He's calling for the people to have clarity of their understanding of the hope that they have. We have to have clarity. And that's, that's why we get together. And so, our, our, uh, so we can have a clear understanding of what it is we're hoping in. And it's not just intellectual clearness, but it's a movement of the heart. Our inner nature will be touched so much that we'll be capable of understanding and grasping the hope of the calling. So it's enlightened for what? All of this is enlightened for what? That the, the, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we may know. And there are three things that he brings up that we need to know. And I just mentioned the one, the first one, is the hope to which he has called you. The second is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And the third is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Before we get into each one of these, we should understand that these are these are doctrinal kind of issues. You know, I, I've talked to n numerous people, and I, and I think we, you can run into, um, run into some issues when, if, if we don't see doctrine as important. These are doctrinal issues that he's bringing up. It's good for us to dig into these things. That's what we do every time we get up here. It's not just fluff. It's so that we can understand the reality of his word that we can know the truth, um, but they are doctrine. And so we can get too caught up in, in a feeling and miss the importance of doctrine. We can get so caught up in doctrine that we miss the importance of the life of Christ in us. But we wanna have, we wanna rightly divide the word. We wanna have um, speaking the truth in love, good doctrine. That's what we wanna do. <clears throat> and so the first thing that we have here is hope. Hope is a confident expectation of what is sure. Now, hope can be either an emotion or it can be the object. You know, we can see it in two different ways. And we can, we'll probably touch on both of those ways through this. But I'll read a couple of scriptures here, Hebrews 6, 11 through 12. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Colossians 127, 
To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God's merciful work through Jesus has given us hope. So we look ahead, right? Hope is that, that confident expectation of the things that we have. We came to him by answering a call. He called us. We heard the call. We answered the call. We responded, but what did we respond to? I know for my life, I responded to the kind of get out of hell free card, you know, because I was in a place of serious condemnation when I was, as the Lord was drawing me. I was in that place of serious condemnation, but he called me and I heard. But what was I responding to? I was responding to that. I was responding to eternal life. I was responding to help. I was responding to an answer for the things that I needed help with. And I went to him for that. We have hope of eternal life. I don't know what everybody responded. Like, why did you respond to the call? But there's a lot there, a lot more than I think what we responded to. The hope of eternal life, it's something better. No tears, pain, sin, corruption. Freedom from death, that our sins are forgiven. We have this hope because we believe him. God does not leave things undone, right? You know, God is a perfect God. When he starts something, he finishes it. Philippians 1.6, it says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will, if he started it, he'll complete it. We have hope because of that. We know because we believe. Our faith gives us the hope. We believe this because we know and we believe God is honest and true and perfect. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we hope in something better. The perfect God called us. The sacrifice of Christ, his work on the earth, is rising from the dead. If all this was done, then we have confidence that it would, what he means to do, he will do. That's where our hope comes from. We have confidence in him. We look ahead and we say, this is what we're looking forward to. We can have hope in that. We can be confident in that. And we need to remind ourselves of these things all the time so that we don't lose hope. Hope also makes us strong and it makes us good. Our hope gives us a proper perspective. Hope decreases sorrow. Think about that. The stuff that we face here on this earth is so much more palatable if we have hope. We look ahead and go, it's all good. Like, I'm, I got him. I got the promises. I got, I'm looking ahead going, this is, I, I don't have to be focused on this here because I have hope in the Lord. Hope decreases sorrow. Hope helps in temptation. We, we, get direction and focus in our life because of hope. The confidence of the reality of our Lord beginning a work, finishing a work, an open door with our Father, our resurrection to a state of perfection. All these things are what we're looking forward to, right? And we have some of those things now. But we need a constant reminder of the things we're headed for to not be discouraged with the present. For a lot of us, 
we're in a lot of bad spots. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on. But I would encourage you to look ahead. Look at the hope that we have. If Christ started a work in us, then we can be confident that what we hope for is there. It is there. And it will be complete. It's exciting, really. I'm a little subdued this morning. I'm trying not to walk around too much. Um, So I think think not walking around changes me. (laughs) I'm so used to like it. So, but the world's difficulties, the pains, the failings all shrink if we're looking ahead with hope, the confident expectation of what is sure. Now, this doesn't mean, and I don't know if, if it comes across this way, but it doesn't mean that we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Because hope doesn't do that. Hope actually moves us. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12, I'll read it again. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Why? So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We need the hope to move us, right? Hope doesn't make us stagnant. We're not looking ahead and going, oh, well, that's good. I got all that stuff. We're going, we're looking ahead and going, thank you, Lord. What can I do for you? You know, we love him because he first loved us, right? Like that's, we're looking ahead. We have these promises. We should be moved by that. Everything is about us moving. Like I was praying before, it's being better tomorrow than you are today. You know, it's taking one step to be more like Christ every day. And we we need these things. We need to have hope. And hope should inspire us to do great things. If we believe the promises, then we can go ahead and go. You know, go make disciples. Go do all the things that we are called to do because we have hope. So number two, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So when you think about the inheritance, I'll stop moving. When we think about the inheritance, You know, when I think about the inheritance, I think about all the cool stuff, right? Steve, you mentioned sometimes it's like, wow, what could this be? Maybe we'll go from one planet to another planet. We'll check all this stuff out. We're going to heaven. We got all this stuff, you know? When you think about the inheritance, inheritance, what is it? You know, what really is it? Is it heaven? Is it freedom from corruption? Right? Where we are... um, That we have the universe at our, like, at our, we can do whatever we want, kind of. You know, we can go and, and see God's great creation. Um, but it, is there more than that? I think there is way more than that. We can't even a, a explain how much, what our inheritance looks like, right? You know, we're, we're told that we, um, in, in uh, <clears throat> I forget where, but, uh, but it says that we, when we see him, we'll be like him. You know, we're children of God now. It's First John. We're children of God now. But we don't know what we're going to be when we're there. You know, we're not seeing that fully yet. But there is a thing that I think we can really nail down of what our inheritance really looks like. And all of these things are part of it. You know, all the things mentioned, no more pain, we'll have peace, no fear of judgment, eternal life. They're all benefits 
but they're all benefits of one thing. And uh, Joel, uh, or whoever picked out the songs this morning, I think Joel probably, um, it was such a good song, that song found in you. You know, think about what we're saying when we say we are uh, found in you. All we want and all we need is found in you. In your presence, we are made strong. You know, what is that? That's our inheritance, is his presence. Our inheritance is him. That's what we have to look forward to. Man, it's so amazing because all the other things are just secondary. They're on the outside. They're benefits because of this one thing that we get him. We get him. In Psalm 73, 25 through 26, David says, Whom have I, have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is our portion forever. He is what we will get as our inheritance. We need to be seeking that. We sing the songs, right? We sing these songs, but I don't know if we really get what that means. If we're really saying, yes, Lord, I want your presence. We can have it now. We have it now. We have a down payment of the Holy Spirit that gives us this connection with him. We, if we truly want his presence, that's what we're gonna get. In uh, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's in his presence is fullness of joy. It's the presence of the Lord that is the fullness of joy. The pleasures forevermore, they're on the outside. They're the things that come because of the presence. Psalm 63, one through three, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Do we thirst? Do we hunger and thirst for the presence of God? But do we really? When we're... Are, are, we, are we taking the effort now to be in his presence? Are we spending the time with him just to be in his presence, to get more of him? When we enter in to our relationship with Christ, that opens the door for us to enter into his tabernacle, that we can be with him together, that we can pick up his traits, that we can be changed so that we can be like him. That is what we will we'll get. We will be like him when we see him. We'll be, we'll be in his presence completely and fully. But if we don't want his presence now, like, and we say, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, I don't know if you understand what, <laughs> what heaven's gonna be, you know? We, we're looking ahead, yeah, and going, yeah, I want heaven, I want heaven. But what you're going to get is his presence, so why not get it now? 
You know, why not get it now? <clears throat> Revelation 22, 4 through 5 says, They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. We will see his face. He will be our light. That's our inheritance. That's what we're looking forward to. How, how many, now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but just think through this. How many of you say in your head, go, well, that doesn't sound as good as heaven. You know? In our kind of strange ideas of what heaven might be, this floaty place or whatever it might be. But I would encourage you, if the presence of the Lord is not the motivating factor in your life, desiring his presence, but you're desiring all of the, the freedom from the, the dead, you know, corrupt and all this stuff, but you're not desiring him, I would encourage you to really seek, seek him now. Do it. Because you want, to, you want that um, to be changed in you. And that's what he does. He changes us as we seek him. Is there anything better than his presence? When we, we have right now, like I said, we have a bit of the possession of God, but when we're there, we'll have a fuller possession of him. We will, he will be our inheritance. We have a down payment now of the indwelling presence, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Jesus prayed for us in John 17, 20 through 21. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's all about that. It's all about that. So I'd encourage you to be seeking him now, seeking his presence now, to be in his presence now. <clears throat> Our Lives as Christians are about his character and attributes being represented by us. Well, we want to be careful that what we're singing, what we're saying, it's not just words. But where's our heart? You know, think about the time we spend with him, like I had mentioned. We're going to be spending eternity with him. We look forward to that. What we have to look forward to is a closer, more intimate union with God. We're told to draw near to God and he'll draw near to us. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? But that we want to be changed. Our inheritance is him, God himself. So we are new creations. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. New men, new women, because of the life of God, because of his presence. And what does that mean for us now and our, our walk now? Jesus says, John 12, 24 through 26. Truly I say, to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. 
If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, I know Jesus is talking about his death, but he's also talking about whoever loses his life and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And that's really where I think the, the heart of this presence of God um, or gaining the presence of God is important or, or is, the, the, is the meat of it. Is that the more we lose of ourselves, the more we gain of him. And this goes to, towards the end of the passage that Paul is writing in this, this prayer when he says that Christ is the head of the church and he fills all in all, is that every little bit of our lives that we're willing to yield to him, he comes in and fills. And that old man is gone. That old person is gone. Our character flaws, our problems, the things that we see in us, the Lord shows us these things, not so that we can beat ourselves into submission, but that we can seek him and desire his presence to fill that spot, to get that old thing out, that corrupt nature gone. It's about him doing the work when we spend time with him in his presence and we yield those things, then he fills it. He fills it. We become more like him. We become better tomorrow than we are today. That's what we want to be. That's what our walk is all about, is to be like that. So the more we die and hate this life, the more we get of him. The more we see us, and I would encourage us <laughs> um, to really consider as the Lord reveals things to us about our character, about our nature, about things that need to change, that we would bring them to him, that we would come to him and honestly bring it to him and say, Lord, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I know this is wrong in me. Make me different. You know, like this is Christianity. This is the walk. It's walk in the spirit. We won't gratify the lusts of the flesh. As we yield those things to him and he comes in, we have more of his presence. When we take on more of his presence, then we bear the fruit because that's who he is. Love, joy, peace, patience, all the fruit of the spirit. So in this life, we get more of him in proportion to how much of ourselves we give up. The more we die, the more he lives in us. <clears throat> there was a, an, a Scottish preacher from the 1800s, which some of the notes are, are from some of his uh, expository um, commentary. But he, this one little bit, I just want to read, and I want to end with this. I know it's a little, little early, but I'd like to encourage people also um, before the, the service is over, if you don't know the Lord and you don't have hope, and your faith is just a faith of up here, you believe God and you shudder, but you don't have a faith that moves you to action, moves you to serve him. If you don't, if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. There is nothing else that saves you. There's nothing better. There's nothing else. Christ is what you need. So if you don't know the Lord, I'd encourage you to just come up after service and we'll pray for you. 
Then I'd also invite people up if you need prayer for healing or for family stuff or whatever it is, just come up. You know, hopefully the elders don't mind me inviting everybody up and they get to hang out. But, uh, but I would encourage everybody to do that. But I want to end with this. <clears throat> this is Alexander McLaren. He was a Baptist, a Scottish Baptist uh, uh, writer and preacher. But said, he said this, the path for us is all, the path for us all is plain. Come to Jesus Christ as sinful men and take what he has given, who has given himself for us. Touched by his love, let us love him back again and yield ourselves to him and he will give himself to us. They who can say, O Lord, I am thine, are sure to hear from heaven, I am thine. And they who possess and being possessed by and in being possessed by God himself do not need to die in order to go to heaven, but are at least doorkeepers in the house of the Lord now. And stand where they can see into the inner sanctuary will they, where, which they will one day tread. A life of faith brings heaven to us and thereby, thereby gives us the surest and the clearest knowledge of what we shall be and have when we are brought to heaven. So we are at least doorkeepers in the house of the Lord now. So I would encourage everybody to just seek him, to get to know him, be like him. And we'll end with that. It's almost, almost the right time. All right. Pretty good. All right. Hopefully this doesn't mess up Joel. But, uh, but if you need prayer, like I said, come on up and uh, after the song. And, then, um, and if you don't know the Lord, I would encourage you to ask Steve or Aaron, pretty much anybody in here. <laughs> and they'll share Christ with you.